Now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? Shut up and sit down. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lip. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Ah! I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. <laughs> Why? Oh. Why the fish? <laughs> we, we had to look I, it up. Yes. Oh, my God, the fish thing. Oh. I've listened to that. Six, five, six times today, and the fish quote makes me it's laugh really funny. Every time. <laughs> As we were saying off air, you could do you could do a whole episode just of George W. Bushisms. I mean, he's he was the best. Yeah, I have like three of those books. You know. Oh yeah, <laughs> kind of miss the guy. He's hilarious. Yeah. he's so lovable. Oh. I mean, now he's lovable. Right. Yeah, in a Trumpian context. Here's the other question: What was the other thing that JFK was referring to? I don't know. What's on par with the moon? I don't know. He just said the other thing. Yeah. Why Go to the, the moon and the other, do the other thing. Yeah. Do the other thing. <laughs> we'll have to specific, Google that there. later. Oh, boy. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good to see you. Good. Welcome to Barstool Politics. I'm your host, Nick McGuire. And as always, I'm joined by uh, Dr. Bill Muck from uh, North Central College and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hello. Hey, guys. Hi. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> After after the um, what the hell is going on week, um, we kind of had uh, a similar week, not quite as uh, all encompassing as last week, but lots of interesting little tidbits coming around. A lot um, of really interesting things to talk about. Yeah, big stories. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I, I I don't even know where to start. I mean, the the big news, I guess, would be the Flint thing is just yeah, it's just not good. <laughs> it's real not good. And it's there's so many facets to it. So uh, to get our listeners up to speed, if you haven't been following this closely, uh, President's, President Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, pleaded guilty on Friday to lying to the FBI about conversations with the Russian ambassador, ambassador last December. Now, he's become that becomes the first senior White House official to cut a cooperation deal in the special counsel's wide ranging inquiry into the election interference. Now, there's there's a gazillion different angles we could attack this from. I don't know, Phil, is it useful to start and kind of walk through the, the plea deal and what happened? Or where, where do you want to start? Um, I mean, I think it's most this is most interesting in the context of what it means for the Russia investigation. And yeah. whatnot. So I, we probably should give it some context before we do that, though. Yeah. I, I think just on the face of it, it's worth saying that this in and of itself is significant and that you have a, a White House, a senior White House official yes. who is pleading guilty to a felony while in office, right? So this is, that part is not what we're going to talk about, right? We're going to talk about also the, all types of other aspects of this, but it, it is worth starting by saying that that's a big thing, right? That's a huge story in and of itself. Having said that, all the fun stuff has to do with kind of what didn't happen and yes. what that might imply. So, so yeah, why don't I, I, that, I mean, it makes sense to kind of put it into that sure. context, I guess. I mean, I guess just to build off your point quickly, and it's, so we, we have Flynn, 
and we also have Manafort, and we have Gates, and we have Papadopoulos. So that's four people. So the idea that this is a witch hunt, I think that has to go away. I mean, we can still talk about the politicization of it. Witch hunt! Witch hunt. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, I, I have I have some timelines here. So on December 28th, President Obama signed his executive order announcing sanctions against Russia. So that was a big deal. On that day, the Russian ambassador to the United States, this guy Kislyak, calls Michael Flynn. Now, on December 29th, Michael Flynn calls the transition team down at Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago? Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago, to get an update on what, what he should say. So that's the important thing, that he called down and spoke to a senior official, which they think is that uh, McFarland, right? K- 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 McFarland. Yeah. Yep. So they give him advice immediately after he calls Kislyak and says, don't worry, uh, we would like you guys not to escalate this. And the next day, Putin says he will not have take retaliatory measures. And the same day, Trump says, I always knew Putin was a smart guy. So there's this back and forth where Flynn is contacting the inner circle of the Trump administration to get advice and then corresponding with Kislyak about this. On December 20, or no, I'm sorry, on January 24th, Flynn is interviewed about this by the FBI and lies and says that he didn't talk about the sanctions with Kislyak. You never lie to the FBI, Phil. They're always going to catch him. (laughs) So on two days later, on January 26th, uh, Sally Yates from the the DOJ comes and tells the White House that Flynn has been potentially compromised. The next day, January 27th, Trump calls Comey in and has his, his famous, I need your loyalty speech. So, so supposedly, so, right? so, so the real crime here is Flynn lying to the FBI. But the question is, why does he lie? Is he lying to cover up the fact that the Trump administration was doing something? That for me, this is the sixty-four thousand dollar question. Why would he be lying? Why not just tell the FBI? Yeah, I talked about the sanctions with the Russians, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, potentially that's in violation of the Logan Act which says you can only have one administration at a time. But the Logan Act has never been enforced. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine he's worried about that. So this yeah. question of what was what was going on in his head, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I mean, I so <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, we've been looking for a smoking gun yeah. in terms of, like, collusion for so long. And and I think the the fact of the matter is that um, we're, we're not likely to – find one and and it's worth kind of thinking about that analogy anyway right yeah. a smoking gun is not actually like perfect concrete evidence it's sort of circumstantial hey there was a there was a murder and i found a gun that's smoking and you connect the dots right Ooh, that's, it's not that's like, good you, phil you didn't <laughs> actually see you, you didn't actually see the guy murder him sure. right it's it's that it's that like the evidence is so overwhelming that it, it you can't ignore what's sort of obvious and I saw a couple of articles this week that basically, and, and the way they put them together with the timeline and whatnot, now that we're, what, a year, almost a year into the Trump administration, or at least a year into the, more than a year into this sort of supposed um, collusion, um, the, the, the evidence, like the circumstantial evidence is so overwhelming. Like when you look at the timing of things, what was happening, how it was happening, the conversations that were occurring, you know, involving Donald Trump Jr., involving Jared Kushner, involving all of these other people surrounding. It, it is, you know, if, if the standard of guilt in the American um, criminal system is beyond a reasonable doubt, 
we're pretty damn close mm-hmm. to being beyond a reasonable doubt about um, the fact that the Trump administration was not just benefiting from Russian involvement, but was actively participating in Russian involvement yeah. in this election. It's, it's hard for me to think. So if we go to this question of why would Flynn lie, one option is that he went rogue so that he was doing something for his own particular interest and he was doing this with the Russians. That's not, I don't agree. Exactly, right? Yeah. He's a military man. By training, he follows orders. And now we have evidence that he was calling to the Trump inner circle to, to run this past them. The minute he gets feedback from Kislyak, he calls them back to say, this is what he told me. That suggests to me that there was that he was following orders, that he was following the chain of command. And if that's the case, it's it's it seems less likely he went rogue and more likely that he's lying to cover the administration, to cover Trump or somebody in that inner circle. And to cover his own ass. Right. Sure. I mean, like, why do you lie to the FBI? Because lying to the FBI is a crime. But it's a smaller crime than admitting that you have colluded with the Russians <laughs> right, to overthrow right, a presidential right. election, right? Yeah. So if you've done, if you've committed a crime and the FBI asks, did you commit this crime? Why do you lie? Because you're covering up this bigger sure. thing that you're trying to hide. It, yeah. But is it collusion with the end result being interference with the election, like direct interference with the election? It sounds like they kind of, what's the word? Um marginally influence the behavior of Russian response to the sanctions that were being put in place and not, I I mean, this still seems separate from the actual interference with the election. That's the only counterpoint that I would have. It's still really fucking bad. No, it's a, it's a good deal. A good question. And then the, the thing is then if, was this a quid pro quo and was this the quo, right? Is this the, the deal to say, Hey, don't worry about the sanctions. Mm Mm-hmm. To Phil's earlier point, covering up something else that happened earlier. And we don't know, but it's bizarre behavior if there isn't something that you're trying to cover up earlier. Right. Well, this is where you start piling all this, like this, like small, these small pieces of evidence that may not seem that significant. When you put them in these two big piles, we have two big piles which show that the Russians were contacting the people in the Trump administration saying, hey, we have dirt on Clinton, we have stuff that will help you. We have these, you know, hacked emails. We have all of the stuff that is beneficial to you. And we have all of the Trump people basically going out of their way to assure Russians that that um, sanctions will will change or be lifted. So today, the Washington Post, um, I don't know if you guys saw the story, reported that Flynn on like on inauguration day, like during the inauguration, apparently texted one of his Russian friends basically saying that Russian sanctions would be torn up that he was like that basically it's all done right <laughs> so like you have you have one pile which job is the complete Russians, <laughs> right? so you have this this huge pile of evidence of Russians basically saying we've got dirt on yeah. Hillary Clinton on the Democrats all this stuff all this thing you know they're buying ads they're targeting people and you have the Trump administration going like beyond beyond out of their way um, to change the Republican Party platform, to like change sanctions, to do all of this stuff, to deny, you know, to basically say the Russians aren't hacking. Like, it's not if if you were on a jury and this weren't in any way political, yeah. right? And someone presented you with all this evidence, you would not. It would not take you long to say, yeah, they're guilty. Something's here. There's too much smoke. Mm-hmm. The last uh, up until Friday, when the Flynn indictment uh, was released, this felt like, and I think we've talked about this as a puzzle. But so many of the pieces were missing. And, and I was leaning towards a conclusion that there was probably some nefarious contacts, but there was nothing really there. 
And when this happened on Friday, especially the fact that Mueller was willing to, to basically give him a slap on the wrist, lying to the FBI is a really, really small charge compared to what they could have gotten Flynn for. So that means Flynn must have some information on a bigger fish. So for me, this felt like a whole lot of the puzzle got filled in. And I think, I can't remember if it was Saturday or whenever it was, I was texting you, Phil, with all my theories. And you're like, yes. are these your theories? I'm like, no, I just got them from Twitter. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just everything became clear for me. And we still don't have any specific evidence showing that there was a quid pro quo, like, you know, that 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 Trump was engaging with the Russians or that he knew. But, man, it's hard. I'm having trouble explaining why Flynn would lie and and potentially go to jail unless there is something else there. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I've talked too much. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree. Like what what's. If that's the case, and those holes, and I, there's a lot of evidence that wasn't there that potentially is there now, what is the holdup now? Why wouldn't you? It seems like all the pieces are falling into place and you have what you need. And based off the reports that we're seeing, it sounds like he has evidence and is willing to testify about senior members of the administration. So what are you waiting for then? What else do you need to move forward at this point? Mueller, I, yeah, go ahead, Phil. So I, I think um, uh, just to kind of reiterate, because I think the, the point that you just said is a really important one. There have Thank been you. a number of reports <laughs> that have come out um, since this plea bargain w- with Flynn. Um, and, and again, this goes back to what you said, too, Bill, which is that uh, we talked over, over the last few weeks since Manafort was indicted. We talked about how there is at least as there are at least as many charges against Flynn as there were against Manafort. Right. The, all the all the evidence, all of the sort of reporting seems to indicate that if Manafort went down, Flynn was going to go down even harder. So the, the, the sort of implication of the plea bargain that he's just pleading guilty to lying to the FBI is that it is a plea, right? He is cooperating right. yeah. with Mueller very clearly. Um, so on, related to that, and jumping over to what you were saying, Nick, is that there there are uh, there were a number of reports that came out, and I, I don't know, again, how accurate these are, but they seem to be sourced well, that Flynn is prepared to testify um, about specifically talking to higher-ups, and I think Trump himself, right, that, that he received orders to do this. Yeah. So... Um, that's, uh, you know, that's big. So we've talked about the, the key thing is whether they can tie all of this to Trump himself. Yeah. Um, and it's seeming like he's getting closer and closer to that. Right. So in, in regards to your response, I, I think we are, um, I, I, you know, why has nothing else happened at this point? I think that, again, we've talked about how Mueller is sort of so, um, strategic and how he's doing things and and you know such kind of a professional and kind of putting this this puzzle together i think if we know this much he knows even more hmm. and, I, and i think we get impatient because yes. the the way how quickly news cycles occur <laughs> yes, and, yeah. and i think the other thing to remember is that the Mueller investigation has been going for six is it even six months at this point well it started in january because he wasn't in charge of it but those first interviews hmm. with flynn were done by the FBI. Now that was still under Comey's jurisdiction, but yes. So it's it's so Mueller's appointment. If you look at Mueller's appointment in six months. So you again, we talked in last week or whenever about how long 
the Clinton investigations, though, yes. you know, the Whitewater stuff, all the Ken Starr stuff dragged out for years. So the fact that we're only six months in and Mueller already has indictments and plea bargains on a number of top officials, I think is actually sort of remarkably fast for how quickly these things are going. So I, mm. I think what I think you're going to see that come out. But I think Mueller's not going to release these informa this information or these I think all of it, the, the timing of the Manafort stuff, the timing of the Flynn stuff, I think it's all strategic. And I think he's he's got he's moving forward on this. It, um, it made me think of last week we were doing the what the hell is going on episode. We were trying to figure out what explains Trump's bizarre behavior. And Phil, you were somewhat prescient because you said there's something big about to happen. This is bizarre. He's feeling the stress. He's feeling the constraint. And you even pointed to the Mueller investigation. That's exactly I mean, I'm. That has the be... first time any. That's the first time anyone's ever called me prescient. <laughs> Mark it down, because uh, it does explain some of the bizarre behavior last week. If he had some inclination that this was going to happen, what was going on? Um, yeah. What, so the the um, I think the next the the kind of building off of that is what is next? You think? Uh, you know, if, if Flynn is testifying against higher ups, it, most of the reports seem to think that. The person who should be most nervous now is Kushner, is is that Jared Kushner yes. is who's going to go down next. But, um, yeah, I mean, do you think do you think if you could like peek inside Mueller's investigation, do you think he has a, enough or he, he certainly has some. Does he have enough evidence tying Trump directly to this? I would be very surprised if he didn't at this point. I mean, even Kushner said that he's cooperating with the investigation. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, but they're all saying they're cooperating. Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, I I don't know. Like I, when this first started, when Mueller was appointed, I, I there was a significant portion of me that thought nothing is going to come of this. Like it's, it's all hearsay. There's really no evidence. There's not going to be anybody that's going to turn on anyone else and they're going to fall on the sword you know before anything gets to trump and i don't know i am really really questioning that now uh, the the fact that like you said as fast as this is going he's been strategic about it enough to where what we do know is very impactful and changes our perception of it and it sounds like it's changing trump's perception of it pretty rapidly so I, the fact that he's I, I don't know if he's doing it purposefully to kind of I, I don't necessarily think he needs more evidence, but to make it more impactful in the sense of what it does to Trump and his administration and what um, effect and, and behavior it brings out. But I, I don't know. I feel like he has what he needs at this point, because if you think about it, if he basically gave Flynn away. You know, this this line of the FBI, six months max in prison, and he probably will just get probation. Right. If you're giving up the national security advisor, right. that is a major piece of, I don't know, what would you call it? I mean, this is a big thing. Like, if you, yeah. if you could just get Manafort and Flynn and have those be major indictments, you say, like, this was a, a successful investigation. So to give right. that up, there's got to be something. And, and it's got to be, I think, more than just Kushner. And Mueller is a smart guy. He's been doing this for a long time. Whether that reaches to Trump himself, I don't know. But I think it has to be beyond just Kushner. 
There's got to so, be more. There's got to be more there to say that we're, we're going after an obstruction of justice, something to rise to the level of I, I, yeah. either the vice presidency or the presidency or Don Jr., Kushner, a whole host of people on that inner circle. It's not going to be Pence. It's like the Ned Flanders of vice president. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I want to come back to Pence in a minute because yeah. I think there's a whole question about how much he knew. But let me sort of add to what you're saying, but come at it from a different angle. And I, you and I texted a lot about this a little bit. The other way to think about this is, you know, you've got the evidence on one side, which is that Flynn was given this kind of slap on the wrist, which makes you uh, he must be giving up juicy stuff. Yes. Right. Coming at it from the other side, the looking at how the Trump administration operates and, and we see in these stories of Don Jr. meeting with. Um, with Russians and you know, direct messaging, uh, WikiLeaks, <laughs> Wiki and all these other things. Oh, these are not a group, uh, I mean, this is not a group of reticent people, right? These are not people who, like, bite their tongues and are very careful and strategic about what they say, right? They're, they yeah. they just say whatever, right? right? Donald Trump is not a man who has a clear, like, a strong buffer, right? right. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, like, hear something and then think for a minute about how should I say this or what are the implications of this? He just says it. Yeah. And, and so if that's the type of that's the type of person that is in this administration and you know that Don Jr. and Jared Kushner and Mike Flynn are all in contact with the Russians, there is no doubt that they are talking to um, Donald Trump. Right. There's no way that Don Jr. and Jared Kushner get emails from WikiLeaks and from Russians and say, this is important stuff, but we want to think ahead to the legal implications and what you know whether we should actually talk to the president about this or not. That didn't happen. Right. They immediately talked to Donald Trump about it. Right? Yes, There's right. just no doubt about that. I mean, that's the thing. So if we look at the timeline again, on January 24th, Flynn is interviewed by the FBI. And by January 27th, Trump is going to Comey, I need your loyalty. And then the second one is on February 13th, Flynn resigns. And February 14th, that's when there's, I hope you, when Trump says to Comey, I hope you can let this go. He's a good guy. So, I mean, the timeline is so tight, which suggests that everybody in that inner circle, like you said, knows what's going on. They're they're interacting. And that's really, really bad for an obstruction of justice charge. Uh, and I guess to go back to an earlier point about Flynn, you know, one of the things that he was potentially going to be charged with was kidnapping. So there's this uh, this Turkish uh, dissident who's in Pennsylvania right now, who Erdogan wants back. The president of Turkey has said, we want him brought back. And there were conversations between Turkish representatives and Flynn about basically just like putting this guy on a plane and sending him, you know, totally illegally. So that's that's a big deal. That is a massive, massive charge. So Flynn could be face could have been facing charges way worse than Manafort. Some, somebody's vacuum. Yeah, we're having somebody vacuum outside my <laughs> office. <laughs> Sorry about that. It was a good point. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So the other thing that I think is interesting about all of this is the the defense that the Trump administration is offering has gone from there was no contact with Russians mm-hmm. to there was contact but no collusion to most recently this week collusion is not a crime. <laughs> So that was the lawyers were making that argument this week. And I think that also suggests something that the Bush, uh, the Bush, the Trump legal team is shifting in a very different direction. Mm -hmm. Um, It's that that argument has been out there a little bit circulating amongst sort of conservative 
the the sort of diehard Trump fans, right? That's been kind of a go-to, but to see the Trump administration and their legal team sort of pick up this argument that that there's nothing wrong with colluding, yeah. right? The Russians wanted to help me win, and right. yeah, why why shouldn't I take you know take any help that's offered to me? They're <laughs> well, not very good at this. Right. No, no, they're not. And so not only is collusion not a crime, the other argument this week was that obstruction of justice, or actually that the president, president cannot right. obstruct justice because he is the chief uh, law enforcement officer, right. Right. which is also a, a truly revolutionary statement to say that the president, it, it harkens He's back. of the law. Yes, it harkens back to Nixon to say if the president does it, it's not illegal. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that's not getting more attention this week. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, and that that is that would be shocking. Like at really any other time in American history, right? The yes. whole idea of our political system is built around this idea that the president is not above the law, right? I mean, this goes back to the whole Constitution that the, the it's not the leader, it's the Constitution that's the supreme law of the land. But yeah. I mean, all of this is. I mean, we've talked about this. I feel like we talked about this like a year ago um, with with Tom and with other people about about whether or not the president could face charges for things he did while in office. Um, I think the president could certainly face charges for things he did before he was in office. But but beyond all of that, I think ultimately the real question in all of this is whether or not I, there are sort of criminal possible criminal charges. And, and those issues, I think, will come around. But before we ever get to that, it's going to be essentially a report to the Senate and to the House and yeah. whether or not the Senate and the House would be willing, based on what Mueller tells them, to move forward with impeachment. And I think in almost any other time, this sort of information, what, what Mueller is likely gathering, presented to the Congress would lead to impeachment charges. But we have talked a lot over the last year about how this is different than it really any other time. It yeah. feels so different. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that I'm convinced that even if Mueller, can, I mean, <clears throat> if Mueller gave, like revealed his findings in like an open testimony, it might make it hard for Congress not to act. But if he right. provides his report in close, you know, to the Senate as like a closed thing, I, I'm not sure that I have uh, all that much faith that the Republicans would act on it. If it's released publicly, it becomes the defining issue for the midterm 2018 elections, right? So, so you, if you're a Democrat, you run on the platform. We, especially in the House. This this president needs to be impeached, especially if the crimes rise to this level where it's a clear obstruction of justice. And again, to go back to obstruction of justice, in the the two previous cases where a president was potentially impeached, Nixon and uh, Bill Clinton, obstruction of justice was both the pr a primary charge in each of those. So so the idea that that the president is above obstruction of justice, I don't think is going to have a whole lot of legal weight. I mean, that goes back to the timing issue yeah. though, too. Like if it. If he does release the report publicly and it comes out roughly around, you know, when you start gearing up for the midterms, that's a political football then. Yeah. And it's more opposition politics. And people are going to think that it's it's all political at that point. So I, it's, it's a weird balancing it act is. right now. Yeah. And I, I will say Mueller seems to be particularly good at this. I mean, he is slowly leaking out these details. And it's clear he's worried about this as well. I mean, he... You get the sense he is a non-political actor, and he just wants the right thing done. And when you think about institutions, you know, the FBI and as well as the Department of Justice really have, there's a lot of faith that I see in that organization. Uh, so you hope he handles it in a way that it makes it clear, or there's a clear path forward, I guess. One other question, I probably have to wrap up soon, but one other issue on this, this week, 
Trump attacked the FBI in a way that he hasn't done so in a long time. He tweeted out multiple tweets attacking the FBI, one of which on uh, December 30 tweeted out, quote, after years of Comey with the phony and dishonest Clinton investigation and more, uh, ruining uh, running the FBI, its reputation is in tatters, worse than history, but fear not, we will bring it back to greatness. And he is attacking... (laughs) The FBI, right? I mean, this is crazy, right? Uh, It's not a good idea. Especially for a president who's a law and order president. Right. To go back to what we were just arguing, which is that the president can't obstruct justice because he's the head of the of justice. Right. To to turn it into this where he's attacking the sort of law enforcement officers. It's 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 strange. Well, I, this is all this is all going to come out, right? Like, I, I, thinking back to what I was talking about a minute ago, even if I don't, I don't know what the plan is, but if if this report, if Mueller has damning information that is not released publicly, it's going to get leaked. I can't mm-hmm. imagine that a, yeah. a Democrat or someone within Mueller's office or someone who has access to this wouldn't leak the juicy bits out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's we're going to find out, and and the timing is really interesting, Nick, because I, I think that's I hadn't thought about that about how. There has to be some strategy in terms of, uh, yeah, if you release this right before the elections, it's going to come across as it's going to yeah taint, taint the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, from an institutional and general population perspective, the minute if there's if he fucks this up, the timing of it, there's a really really good chance that this will mean not mean nothing, but the impact of it will be severely diminished when. And that's a great point, especially in the wake of the presidential election where Comey faced so much heat for releasing those details about the Clinton investigation right, right before. Yep. I, I can't imagine. And this may get to a point that you made earlier, Nick, the, the speed of all this. He may be thinking about that, not that's wanting true. this to drift into any kind of midterm election. So to get this done early enough. Um, and, yeah. And you don't want it to wait. You wouldn't want it to wait. If 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 you're in charge of this investigation and you find stuff that you think is like deeply yes. disturbing you don't want to wait until after the midterms to get it out right yeah but yeah if, if you if you have to get it out before that gives him you know five months maybe like you don't beyond that you're drifting into the election cycle in a very real way mm-hmm. but um, you've gone to a level now where there's not there's not a lot of low level guys left i mean we now we've flipped or they flipped flynn right so we're, we're talking about a much smaller circle Kushner, don jr and the exactly. president really. yeah uh, although katie mcfarland sean spicer so there's uh, you know, Sean Spicer was included in some of these emails where he afterwards had said, there's nothing to this. There's no. So, I mean, he was lying publicly and he was also interviewed by Mueller. So I, I don't think he's at Jeff, a high level, but yeah. Jeff Sessions. Exactly. Attorney yeah. General. It, it yeah. could be it could be a whole number of individuals who, who are falling. So, oh boy. yeah, it's going to uh, be fun. It is going to be. This is, it was, I don't know if yeah. that's true. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Fun's probably not the right word. Real quick, you, Phil, you mentioned Mike Pence. Mike, to me, Mike Pence is either a patsy who knows nothing and Trump is keeping outside of all the juicy inner circle stuff, or he's the biggest liar in the bunch and he's going to go to jail for a long, long, long time. Trump doesn't keep it again. You're like assuming that he operates like a regular president. He doesn't. He doesn't keep anyone outside of the inner circle. That's true. I could walk up to Trump right now and he would tell me what was going on. <laughs> All right, should we talk Jesus. beers, Nick? Yes. Okay. So, Phil, you want to start us off? What are you, what are you drinking today? Uh, yeah. So I had. I've been sick for like two weeks. So yeah. This is the first beer I've had in like in, in a good long while. I I had um, the beer that I've had so far is a smutty nose. 
uh, which is, uh, um, I, I think it's in Vermont. I should know that. Um, no, it's New Hampshire. God, I, I screwed that one up. Anyway, their finest kind IPA. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's perfectly good. Um, it's not one that I'm like, oh, this is the best IPA I've had in a long yeah. time. But, um, you know, it is it is the first IPA I've had in a long time, and it is satisfying. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so Nick and I are enjoying a Revolution anti-hero, uh, which is a Revolution brewing out of Chicago, wonderful brewery. And I think we've probably reviewed Revolution before. I reviewed it on my own many times. Yes. <laughs> but not the tall boy, Nick. No, that's true. <laughs> so today, it was more delicious out of the tall boy. Today guys. we are drinking the special edition tall boy Revolution Antihero, which it was it was even better, I think, as a tall boy. It was quite delicious. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just a fantastic beer. And it's real good. Sometimes we drift away trying other things, and then you come back to, you know, Dare the good I stuff. say, drinkable. It is, yeah. It's just a, <laughs> just a good, good IPA. Well done, Revolution. Yeah. So, that's that's all we've gotten to so yeah, far. Yeah, right. Well, it's a tall boy. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, all right, speed, speed round. round. So, all right. So we're going to start with the other. I think the Flynn investigation was obviously the biggest story of the week, but maybe the second biggest story was the president openly endorsing Roy Moore. So uh, on Monday, uh, President Trump strongly endor- endorsed Roy Moore, the Republican nominee for the United States Senate, uh, promoting, uh, and also that prompted the Republican Nas- National Committee to restore its financial support for this candidate. This came a day after Senator Mitch McConnell had uh, stepped back from his earlier criticism of Mr. Moore, saying that instead Alabama should make their own call. So before he had said that he believed the women, and now he's saying let's let the election play out. Uh, taken together, this, uh, this suggests that the Republicans are increasingly confident that Mr. Moore is well-positioned to win. Uh, and I think this is a, an interesting development, uh, and I, I, an interesting and troubling development, in the sense that it felt like a couple weeks ago Republicans were, especially in the Senate, pushing back, and now it, it appears that many of them have caved. Mm-hmm. Oh. I assumed something like this was going to happen. What surprised me from a political strategy perspective was the democratic response because it seemed like when franken and conyers came up that they were going to play the same game and defend their own and try and you know hold on to as much territory as possible and now they're just lopping heads off left and right the democrats yes Con- uh, conyers is resigning uh franken is probably going to resign tomorrow uh, there's another representative from Nevada who they're calling for to step down. They're they're playing a better game. Democrats so, will have none of this, Nick. No, or, and they'll still find a way to fuck it up. But they're it's doing really a better true. job yes, at it right yes. now. So you say they're playing a better game, but you could also argue that this is the problem that Democrats have. Right, That's that they're true. worse at playing the game. That's true. That Republicans recognize that winning is everything. Right, and so uh, that a, a better a child, moral game. A child predator is 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 awful but um there are these bigger goals of tax reform and all these other things and so you're gonna you know push aside the and so there, there's an argument that Repu- that democrats get caught up in their like what's the right thing to do rather than like mm-hmm. the you know win at all costs well, so yeah no that's a really good point and i think this will be a really uh telling situation especially going into the midterms seeing what the response of the american people is to this if the Democrats end up losing significant ground because of the actions that they've taken and the Republicans are able to not only hold on to Alabama but possibly gain ground 
because of what the opposition is doing. I mean, as it's it's troubling, but also not necessarily unexpected. I guess similar to what you're saying. I also wonder whether the Democrats aren't being strategic here for maybe the first time. They're clearing the deck saying this is a party that's not going to tolerate any level, zero tolerance for sexual harassment. And by getting rid of Al Franken and John Conyers and whoever this other guy is, like they can now go after more and say the Republican Party is accepting and tolerating a child predator in their ranks in the Senate. I mean, this opens them up to just attacking at all levels across the country. So I don't know. I, I hope I hope you're wrong, Nick, in the sense that, that it doesn't play the other way where Republicans continue to win even though the Democrats take this strong stance. But I do wonder whether this may not may not play out well for them. And I think they had to get rid of Frank and they had to get rid of all these other guys. Otherwise, they don't have the moral high ground. Well, they had such horrible responses, too. Oh, Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi was... was Horrific. It took them a while to figure out their position. That's right. Yeah, it's not hard to argue or it would be easy. It's easily argued that the most mobilized um, sort of group right now is women. Right. Whether it's from looking at the the sort of demonstrations and pro to the women's march right after Trump's election to the Me Too movement, all of this. So if in that sense, then you're right. Bill, that, that if you're the Democratic Party, you're crazy to ignore that, right? And so in that sense, maybe this is, I, it's easy to argue that it's the right thing to do. Um, uh, but you might be able to argue that it's the smart thing to yeah. do as well from a stri- strategic perspective. I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. You had 11 Senate Democratic women today come out and say Franken should step down. And then once that happened, there were a couple, a few more men within the Senate, Democratic men senators come also do this. So this was a coordinated effort where they said, Franken, you're not going to do this on your own. We are going to push you. And I think you're right, Nick. He has to step down tomorrow. I mean, you can't come back when a, a huge faction within your party is saying you should no longer serve. Well, that's the other part of this whole thing. Like, it's as much as I... Uh, 100% agree that a lot of these guys are scumbags and are hiding a lot of their behavior. I, I still question that element of, you know, actual due process and facing your accuser and being able to actually, you know, figure out what the core of the issue is and if any of these things are actually true. And that has all kind of gone out the window. And especially in institutions like this where having someone leave or resign really kind of upends the system that's troubling and and, and when it's become so easy that you can do that i can easily see that becoming a political tactic going forward so yeah so i I know we're out of time but we should i i I don't feel like we should move on without talking about the other side which is uh, there's at least two that deserve mentioning one of which is that trump tweeted about this specifically and talked about tax reform and why this is why it's important for roy moore to win so essentially, part of the approach, I think, from the Republican side is that there are these bigger issues, right? Tax reform is this close fight. We lost the health care battle. And, and, and sort of the unspoken thing is Roy Moore might be a terrible human being, but we have to elect him because the votes matter. Right? Yes, yes. So, um, and, and then there's just the straight up hypocrisy. I don't know if you saw the Ted Cruz interview. It's oh, remarkable God, in which Ted terrible. Cruz basically is asked in an interview what he thinks about Roy Moore and his response is, I'm not going to get into that, the voter, or, or whether or not Roy Moore should be seated if he wins. And Ted Cruz's uh, response was essentially that's 
insane if the people choose him, um, then he should be seated. And then the, the interviewer immediately says, well, what about Al Franken? And Ted Cruz's response is, well, that's a really serious issue <laughs> yes, that we yes. need to take. Like, just the, the blatant, like, back-to-back hypocrisy. And, and I, I mean, until we as voters care about that, it's not going to matter. But right. um, it feels like this is where we're talking about the same thing, but Democrats are having a totally different conversation than Republicans. Yes. And I think long term, it works out well for the Democrats, whether that means whether they win the House or the Senate or anything. This is setting up where they are going to be able to just hammer not just Roy Moore, but all Republicans, except for somebody like Flake, who I guess is gone because Jeff Flake gave a check to uh, Doug Jones yesterday. So um, I, I, I think that's a good sentiment. I think they are horrible at winning elections oh no that's true. I, it's it, true like even something of this magnitude i really really question their ability to seize that moment and be effective at doing yeah. that which which in and of itself is remarkable i know we've <laughs> talked about that but i can't not, not say again that this is a guy who has been accused of essentially yes, molesting children right. by numerous people and we're still like well maybe we should still elect him right it, it is bizarre that this is where we are as a country i, I saw a poll this week in alabama that said 70 percent of registered republican alabama or alabamians or whatever what is sure, sure okay Al- yeah. alabamers uh, i think right. is the right is that right no. alabamers oh i like that no, no, I'm, that's <laughs> totally not right <laughs> Your dentures they, fall out. They they agreed, or that they they like seventy percent found that uh, they believed the women that Roy Moore was lying, but yet uh, uh, over fifty percent of Republicans still plan on voting for him, which is this kind of bizarre thing as you're reporting to. Mm-hmm. They believe he did what they alleged, what has been alleged, yet they're still going to vote for him it's because bad. of taxes and all these mm-hmm. other social issues. Well, if he, go ahead, Phil. I know we're way over time, but it's back to this whole thing we've talked about before. If you think that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats are evil, like they are spawn of Satan, then voting for a child molester is bad, but it's better than voting for evil, right? And so that's where you get into this this bizarre kind of moral, uh, you know, (laughs) equivalence. It's it's, it's strange. It's really fascinating. And it's still, still if he wins and he's seated, it's still... He's still technically one of your own. And regardless of what he's doing, you can handle that at that point. But it's infinitely better than not having a seat at the table and trying to have the same conversation with someone who's not going to listen to you because you were voting for a child molester. If they lose, if Doug Jones were to win and the Senate shifts one seat closer to that 50-50, you know, suddenly they're in a, they could lose tax reform. All it takes is one Republican senator to flip and say, I'm not voting for this, and suddenly, when, yeah. When's the election? Next, next week? Next Tuesday? I think it's before we, we record again, so, Ooh. yeah. Have you, seen, have you seen polling lately? I haven't seen polling in the last few The days. last I saw showed Roy Moore up a couple points, but it, it seems to be really close up and down, so it, it's going to be a big one. It'll be fun. Yeah. All right, topic number two. Uh, today, President Trump formally announced that Jerusalem, the United States, was going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, reversing nearly seven decades of American foreign policy and setting in motion a plan to move the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, this isolates the United States on one of the world's most sensitive diplomatic issues uh, and has drawn a storm of criticism from Arab and European leaders, including Pope Francis and the Chinese foreign ministry. So when both the Pope and China say you're wrong, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's one of those where 
I think you might need to rethink what you're what you're doing. But uh, so there, are, we oftentimes talk about the partisanship in the United States, but in foreign policy, there's a fair amount of consensus. And this was one of the issues where both Democrats and Republicans agreed that the United States shouldn't do this. That this is something that's part of a broader negotiation in terms of the Middle East. So, uh, Phil, you are our, our expert, religious expert. <laughs> well, so I, this is, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit yeah. in that I think that there, it, there's consensus about this amongst foreign poli- policy elites. Thank you. But amongst voters, <laughs> I don't think there's consensus at all. I think this is a, a pet issue of, of religious conservative voters that think that Jerusalem should be the capital of Israel and that it's important for the U.S. to support Israel and support Israeli control over Jerusalem. And so I, this is another one of those issues where um, I think Trump sees an opportunity to score a lot of points with his diehard base. And and so, I mean, this has been this has been something that conserve that religious conservatives have pushed for for a really long time. And they finally have a president who's willing to to take it up um that i I don't think americans realize how out of line that is with sort of global perspectives on this but um Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think i think it there yes there's consensus amongst elites but i think from from a strategy standpoint again if we talk about trump sort of doing these things that appeal to his base they may not seem to make that much sense in a grander you know in this large scale picture but they score points with the people who really feel strongly about him in that sense, it's it's a it's a smart political move, mm-hmm. even if it's a really dumb foreign policy move. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What should we talk about? Why it's a dumb foreign policy move, or sure. should, we, should we debate that? Because it's not not everyone thinks it's a dumb foreign policy move. But like, I mean, what's the problem with this? I guess the idea is that if you're going to have a negotiated solution between the Israelis and the Palestinians, that you have to have chips on both sides. So the, the United States was withholding this as an incentive for Israel to come to the table to say, let's have a final solution, let's let's work out a two-state solution in which uh, Israelis have to give up something, the Palestinians have to give up something, and this is this is one of the chips. Oh. Well, yeah, I, I mean, even in that situation, the, the concept of a two-state solution also included the prospect of the Palestinians having East Jerusalem as yes. their capital. Yes. Which was a major, major sticking point, and that's kind of gone out the window now. But, I mean, as much as the United States is doing this, like you said, there is not consensus from a foreign policy and and global perspective. So I, I question whether or not in the long run this will be as impactful, considering there are so many other parties that are not in line with this. And as far as I know, no other country is planning on moving their embassies to Jerusalem. It's just the United States at this point. Granted, it's been less than 24 hours, but I can't see that changing anytime soon either. Do you, so I I mean, I think there are uh, my two kind of questions. One question is, do you think this will ever actually happen, right? The actual building construction and moving of an American embassy to Jerusalem, like saying we're going to do that is a big step. But whether we'll actually ever get around to doing it, I, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical. The other part of this, I think, is is to think about not, I mean, to think about this in the in in the sense of, you know, this, the last t- almost 20 years now of American foreign policy have been oriented towards winning the war on terror in the Middle East, right? And this is this is just kind of, you know, a finger in the eye of mm-hmm. of um, uh, of Muslims across the the Middle East, right? And so it it seems like 
we're scoring some political points with voters at home, but really like causing more problems in, in the long run than. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be a pushback from from I mean, Jordan and Saudi Arabia have already expressed concerns. And there's a grand irony. So uh, Trump gave this the speech today, which we'll talk about in a, in a couple of rounds. And at the end of it, he finished his speech and then he went and signed something. And what he signed was another six month waiver. Moving the, you know, because so the idea is that the, the Congress has passed a bill basically saying that we want the embassy moved to Jerusalem. And so the, pres- the presidents going back through history have been signing waivers, six months waivers for all of these Democrats and Republicans. And so Trump comes out in this speech, criticizes this and says, we're going to move it to Jerusalem. And then immediately after the speech, hmm. literally goes to the table and signs another six month waiver and then does the Trumpian thing of showing everybody this. So Except showing people. So it, it does speak to this deeper question of whether this is really symbolic politics to the base to say we're going to do this and then we'll do it in six months. But maybe we'll think more about it. So, but that's a horrible move. No, I know because there is there is a facility in Jerusalem right now and all you would need to do is basically say You're, this is now the embassy, right? Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. been moved. So they're, they're making this seem more difficult than it is if they really wanted to do it. So all my arguing about how Trump is not strategic, um, if you thought he was strategic and then in that sense, maybe it's brilliant, right? Like yeah. you, you throw this bit out to your diehard core supporters, this thing that they feel really strongly about, but are unlikely to really kind of follow through on, right? <laughs> At the same time, you sign this thing saying, yeah, but we'll do it later. Um, you know, maybe it's brilliant. I, I don't know. I mean, playing devil's advocate, I guess – there's part of me that I, I the the early reports that I heard coming out of Israel was that conservative Israelis were were backing this and were happy about yeah, it oh yeah. and you know we're wondering sure. why it hadn't happened sooner which realistically regardless of what you're thinking about the war on terror and our individual partners in the Middle East um, in that perspective Israel is still our our strongest international partner in the Middle East and it doesn't necessarily hurt to cement that slightly more than we have and they're really good at doing dirty work that we don't want to do frankly um the other side of that is you've also pissed off a lot of people and if you don't actually follow through with this uh then you've just pissed them off with no benefit to your base I, i it's just it's not good and uh, building off of that there have been a number of u.s campaign their campaigns have said where they're going to move the embassy from tel aviv to jerusalem and then when they get in office they say well not really right and that was sort of this accepted agreement trump is one of the few people who says well i said this during the i'm going to do this and for me i find it frustrating like no that's not part of the process (laughs) no you're supposed to lie to us he's one of the few guys that actually says these crazy things during the campaign and then actually pursues them Um, I, i mean if he actually follows through with this and we do see some sort of shift in the near future apparently you know after six months uh i think that's a big deal like that's a big foreign policy move that yes it is like you said a lot of presidents have paid lip service to and just kind of push to the back burner but i that's that's a big big deal sleepy rex tillerson came out today and said we're still pursuing middle east peace which i thought like no no you're not (laughs) No, no Jared Kushner is is done. He's going to jail. It's all over. So, hey, do you remember when we first started doing speed round months ago, and the bell would ring, and we would immediately stop talking? We've really backed away from this <laughs> yeah, right? no. policy, five minute policy. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Russia is back in the news. Uh, Russia's Olympic team has officially been banned from the 2018 Winter Olympic Games in South Korea. 
Uh, the country's government officials are forbidden to attend. Its flag will not be displayed at the opening ceremonies, and its anthem will not sound. Any athletes from Russia who receive special dispensation to compete will do so as individuals wearing a neutral uniform, and the official rec- record book will forever show that Russia won zero medals. Nice. So this was the IOC sticking it to Russia for their long pattern of abuse, and I think the abuse is over the top. The evidence is overwhelming, um, but Putin's pissed. Well, I mean, what was interesting to me, so I had heard reports about this for the past couple of days and wasn't really sure that it was taking place. Yeah. And I was looking through my uh, through the news feed this morning. There was not one, like, real story about it, which was bizarre to me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to yeah. talk about Russia and the media and whatnot, but... Um, yeah, like you said, the the evidence is overwhelming, and the fact that you could even attempt to be uh, angry or indignant about this with so much evidence yeah. is ridiculous. For the listeners, what Russia was doing during the 2014 Sochi Games is that they were in charge of this the facility that sampled for drugs and urine samples and whatnot. They had the building next to it. And the head guy in charge of the sample testing in the middle of the night would pass samples through the wall to this other side. And then Russia had figured out, now they had these non-tampering bottles where if you open them, they crack and you know they've been opened. Russia figured out how to open them, dump them out, and then put clean urine back in and return them. And so this if you, have, if, if you haven't seen the movie Icarus, it's on Netflix. It's fantastic. I keep telling Phil to watch, but he won't watch. It's so good. <laughs> And, and you see what they did, and the head guy of this whole operation has basically spilled the beans, and there's there's nothing. Russia's got nothing defended. There's part of me that says they got off easy. They shouldn't even allow any of their athletes to participate, and the band should be more than just one Olympic Games. I would like to see the neutral thing. Do they have to wear, like, gray Mylar suits? Do they look like they're from the future? It's <laughs> from the 50s? Those really body good. suits that cover yeah. your whole head, yes. like <laughs> neon green? Like the blue band group? So, you, my question is, the, the, the guy who's the clean urine provider, the guy yeah. who's there just to pee in bottles to provide... No, no, it's the actual <laughs> athletes. So they take the athletes, the urine from the athletes, when they're clean, they store oh, it, oh. and then when they take the top off, they put the clean urine in. I don't like that. I like the idea of some poor Russian guy who's <laughs> yeah. being made to pee in a bottle at gunpoint by, by Putin. Yeah. Here's, so, more, I mean, here's more Gatorade. <laughs> this is one of the things where I am, I am both, like, on one hand, I'm, I'm proud of the Olympic Committee for, like, standing up for this, but on the other hand... Like this is this has been a sort of a long-standing pattern, and they gave the last Olympics to Russia, right? Yes. Like, there's like the Olympic Committee has there have been sort of bribery and corruption scandals involved with the Olympic Committee for decades, yeah. and so there's something that's a little bit hypocritical about how dare you cheat, um, yes. Russia? Like, there's there's a little part of me that thinks that the problem is that Putin didn't bribe them enough, and that's <laughs> right. why they're they're yes. getting punished here. <laughs> They're getting the Flynn treatment. It's a slap on the wrist. Uh, and now they're apparently they're worried that Russian officials may boy uh, that Russia may boycott the Olympics. Well, they've been banned. Right. Who, cares? Who cares? Who cares if they boycott? What? That's the point. What would that look like? <laughs> How do you boycott an Olympics you've been banned from? Well, they still want Russians to come to the Olympics. Oh. <laughs> it's it's a ticket price, thing. right? Because South Korea is not too far away, and they're apparently sick, uh, ticket sales have been way down. So um, it's just it's bizarre. Like like they. 
in every major international sporting event, there's always this question of whether or not they have influenced something or cheated or or something. Um, what's the word? Um, bad is coming to mind. Nefarious. <laughs> Nefarious. <laughs> yes. That was the word I was trying to think of. It's a beer. Um, it, like I, I just. I would. I really would like to see an Olympic, uh, whether summer or winter, an Olympic Games that didn't include that. Yeah, and it would. I personally think it would be a good thing from a sporting perspective, not necessarily from a monetary, you know, tickets and economic growth perspective. But if the, if the Russians weren't so over the top, I, I just I, I'll be curious to see. I mean, apparently they've denied this, and they continue to deny this, and the athletes deny this. But it, it's – there's no other example other than maybe East Germany going way back in history of a country who's so clearly guilty. Which was the Russians. <laughs> right. That's right. So I don't know. I, I feel like the the Olympics had to do this if, if they were going to retain any sense of credibility. They still haven't. But yeah. it was a cute Did, thought. Didn't they, – they just announced uh, – not that long ago they announced like the – 2248 Olympics are going to be in like Los Angeles or something. Yes. Right? yes right. <laughs> we, we should broadcast live from those Olympics when they happen. In 2248? Yeah. From our yeah. robot bodies? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I could be exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> Maybe they're not that quite that far out. Oh, God. oh, Nick, do you want to pull up the video for our next topic? God, yes. So I will say our next topic was supposed to be the tax bill, uh, which passed the Senate. But then Donald Trump gave his speech on Jerusalem today. And toward the end of the speech, there was something bizarre that started happening with his actual speech. And this, and we'll we'll play the video. But I, should we give a preview that of what happened, or what we're thinking happened, or should we just let the listeners? I really hope it's just dentures. Yeah, I it, really, really hope. Some people, go ahead, Phil. Yeah, I mean, you 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 should be listening as we play this to the actual, like not not to the words that he's saying, but the the speech, like the way he's saying it. We should say that, and then we can come back around to it. Right. Yes. Let's see if this works. Um, Going back. Ooh. Oh, that was fun. Rededicate ourselves to a path of mutual understanding and respect. Let us rethink old assumptions and open our hearts and minds to possible and possibilities. And finally, I ask the leaders of the region, political and religious, Israeli and Palestinian, Jewish and Christian and Muslim, to join us in the noble quest for lasting peace. Thank you. God bless you. God bless Israel. God bless the Palestinians. And God bless the United States. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's such a dumb thing to make. Fun it is. Of. It's, but okay, the speculation on Twitter was either that his that he, he had cotton mouth, or cotton, I, I'm going to stop you right now. Yeah, I've had cotton mouth before. Cotton mouth <laughs> makes you talk like yes, yeah, right? Cotton mouth makes like it. it but yeah, you're not that, seventy, that Phil. <laughs> that's that's true. I'm close. Really fucking hard, dude. <laughs> so okay. So either cotton mouth or his dentures were falling out, or there was some speculation that he was having a mini stroke, which included my wife, who we were watching this together, and she said, "I think he's having a mini stroke," <laughs> because it was really bizarre. And during earlier in the speech, she was sniffing. He was doing. Remember the during the debates, I he, saw. I think he was trying to suck his dentures back. Could again. Be, it could be. So. 
Now, the White House hasn't, as we're taping, the White House has not said anything about what was going on. But it was, it was weird and bizarre. I don't know. Phil, I mean, no, it was weird, right? Yeah. Like, he, like whatever's happened, I like I. When I listen to it, it sounds like somebody who's who's got a retainer in their mouth, right? right. Like, it sounds like they like his dentures are coming out. Um, but I was saying before, I mean, I, I think there are a couple of aspects to this, which is that there's this weird. We should be concerned about the health of our president, right? And yeah. I mean, this is if, again, if if I I said when I was talking before we came on the air that I don't. I don't want to be that guy, but I'll be that guy. <laughs> if like if if Hillary Clinton gave a speech and started you know slurring her speech and talking like that, people it would be a huge story, right? Yeah. Um, I, if my like if my dad is sitting across the table from me <laughs> and he starts talking like that, I would be concerned, right? right I would want to ask right. him, "Are you okay? What's going on? <laughs> do you have a um, dental issue we need to address? <laughs> right? Or or do I need to take you to the hospital? <laughs> right. Um, so do I, you taste I, pennies? I oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just derail this. <laughs> yes. It's no, I don't, all I don't the stroke know what else there is to say about it, other than it seems like there. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Is this is this a story or is this just more kind of you know stupidity that we're that we're in, engaging in? It's got to be dentures, man. Yeah. I feel like we're just blowing this out of proportion. It's stupidity. He sounds like he sounds like old Spock in the new Star Trek. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Always have been. Uh, always uh, will be your but, but, friend. Yeah, yes, it's stupid. But will the White House come out and say no. he had a, he had a denture issue or a dental issue? Will they? Would Trump no. even acknowledge that? Mm-mm. And that says something, right? Even if the president, so with health matters or health issues occur, and the presidency has to acknowledge that. But I, I don't think I think they'll deny it, or they'll be like, no, he was he was awesome. You know, he he's was... never even acknowledged that, he's, that he has dentures. <laughs> they, they can't show weakness, right? Right. I think there's a vanity issue that would let, that he would never right. like admit to having which false is un- teeth if that's the case, right? Which is unique to other presidents. I mean, I, I don't know. Was George Washington? He was okay with his his wood. Wooden teeth. I don't. Fake news. Fake news. news. Right. <laughs> His teeth were perfect. Greatest teeth ever. Oh, uh, we don't have to finish two minutes. Then. No, I, yeah. I mean it's just the. F- <laughs> and again, we talk about this, and we try and come up with things that are salient and and interesting and educational and something. That this this we wasn't can that. Discuss. But I mean, <laughs> like that says something that we were constantly questioning every facet of this one. Person and like even if Hillary was was the person who we were talking about right now, it's such a dumb thing to focus on, and we go to because of their previous behavior or you know what they've said or our um, personal political leanings. Like it becomes more than it ever ever needs to be, and I you know I saw it and thought it was hilarious and it was his denture thing, and then you have news stories about him having a stroke and then it turns into the whole mentally unfit thing and do we need to start thinking about that again and it just gets so overblown it's crazy i i I agree but i doesn't the trump administration contribute to that to some extent by not by refusing to address this right so you think about like if if george 
H.W. Bush when he, you know, threw up on the Japanese prime minister and fainted. Also yeah. If their response to that had been to refuse to address it or acknowledge it in any way, it would have fueled all sorts of like deep, you know, right. medical concerns about the president. But by oh, yeah. basically coming out and talking about how he had food poisoning or stomach bug or whatever, then it's kind of like, OK, this is not that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 bizarre that we're this worked up about it. It's bizarre that the Trump administration doesn't just like take all the steam out of it by saying, yep, we got him some polydent and it's going to be good from now on. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I completely agree. And I think in, in the situation with Bush senior, like, like you had to do something. It was so obvious that there was a right. major issue going yeah. on, you know, had Trump gone up there and said, God bless, you know, fucking umbrella <laughs> gerbil people right. and slammed his head on the desk, then that would have been a real <laughs> right. issue. Right. Good point. So, <laughs> And some of this is fueled by, by Trump's own behavior. I mean, he is he attacks people for these these in, these situations, right? I mean, so he goes after people for their their issues and their problems. So it's I think yeah. fair that he also and, gets poked for it as well. Yeah. And the, the speculation about uh, a stroke, you know, comes from the fact that he's not in great health and right. he makes poor dining choices. Phil, oh, this is a perfect transition <laughs> to our final topic. <laughs> nice segue. Yes, thank you, Phil. So this week, uh, Corey Lewandowski, uh, he was the former. Was he campaign chairman or what was his mm -hmm. role? Yeah. Yep, for after the, Manafort was out. Yeah. That's right, for the Trump administration. So he has a new book called Let Trump Be Trump. And so they released the preview this week where they talked about a bunch of uh, titillating topics, one of which was Trump's diet, which during the campaign oftentimes consisted of McDonald's. And in particular, a, a normal meal would be two Big Macs, two filet fish and a chocolate malt. malt. So, so uh -oh. Didn't your problem, Bill? <laughs> right, yes. So it's been a while since I've eaten uh, filet fish from McDonald's, but I'm guessing two Big Macs, two filet fish, you should be pretty full. I have one quarter pounder, and I feel like I want to kill myself. Yeah. So he's there, doing this there, regularly. There have been low moments in my life where I've gone to a fast food place <laughs> and ordered two hamburgers, yes. and I eat them, but I feel terrible about myself oh, yes. afterwards. I can't imagine eating four. Right. <laughs> Two Big Macs, two filet fish and then to finish with a chocolate malt. I mean, how is this guy still alive when you think about what's going into his system? And he loves Kentucky Fried Chicken. So it's it's really... It's man after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> he, he conserves his energy, Bill. He doesn't right, but not exercising. <laughs> he, he offsets the, the four fried sandwiches. Yeah. With not exercising. That's true. That's how he balances well, again, it you only have so much energy in a day. Right, so right. you can't overload it. But if he, as long as he's whittling that down by the end of the day, you're fine. Isn't, isn't it as you get older, you eat less? You always, you know, you see the, the, the people in their 70s and 80s are eating like half a sandwich and they're saying they're full. And this guy's plowing through two Big Macs and two filet fish saying like, it's time for the vault. That's a real when he was 50, American When meal. he was 50, it was three and three. Oh, jeez. So he's, he's cutting back. <laughs> <Jeez. though>. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other elements for this from this book is a conversation that apparently took place between Trump and Paul Manafort, where Manafort had suggested that Trump shouldn't be on television anymore. In particular, he shouldn't do the Sunday shows. Now, Trump got word of this and directly confronted Manafort. And I'm going to read you this and excuse the foul language, but 
Trump says to Manafort, quote, Did you say I shouldn't be on TV on Sunday? I'll go on TV any goddamn effing time I want, and you're not going to say another effing word about me. Trump yelled at Manafort, according to Lewandowski. And then he went in on, Tone it down? I want to turn it up. You're a political pro? Let me tell you something. I'm a pro at life. I've been around a time or two. I know guys like you with your hair and skin. <laughs> so... We'll be putting out I'm a pro at life t-shirts very shortly, <laughs> yes. by the way. With your hair and skin. Yeah. So, it's <laughs> awful. <laughs> Which suggests that Trump would look at Manafort and say, like, God, that guy's got good hair and good skin. I just, just hate it. <laughs> so. But the way he said it was that uh, the way that I love the thing I love about that quote is that he didn't say with your great hair and skin. No, he made it sound like the thing he had a problem with was that he had hair and he had skin. <laughs> yes. He's like a serial killer. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm a pro at life. <laughs> Our so, president. It's. I just, you take this right to, to bring it full circle and go back to our initial story right <laughs> yes. about whether or not the Trump and his inner circle are like smartly keeping buffer zones between the president and other people. So, I, you know, I, I <laughs> I'm, re, I'm rereading The Godfather. And you know, one of the things I talk about in The Godfather is that Don Corleone always makes sure that when he gives orders, only one other person is in the room to mm. hear it and receive it. Right. So there's always deniability like the idea that the Trump administration, right? You read quotes, you read about, you know, you see these speeches, you read about the, the diet and like this whole idea that they are sort of being careful about what they say and right. who they say it to in the context they say it in. No way. No, no yeah. way. There was one more little tidbit that I'll share. And so they, they talk about in the book that apparently at one point Manafort was confronted with a New York Times story that he had accepted $12.7 million from this Ukrainian political party. And so uh, Bannon's there, Manafort's there. There's a whole bunch of people there. And the story says the encounter occurred at Manafort's apartment in Trump Tower, uh, where there was an unnamed woman in a white muumuu lounging on the couch. What does that mean? I don't know, but like they included it, right? So, you know, like I'm guessing at Paul Manafort's apartment, there are women in white moo-moos just hanging out. I don't know. I don't while know campaign business is happening. When, when I hear a woman in a white moo-moo, I imagine a very large person, too. Yes. I don't know why. <laughs> like, what do you do? Like, it's just. This is all just fucking crazy. <laughs> so apparently, <laughs> apparently so the, the white moomooed woman on the couch lounging says, at some point when the story is read, she goes, Paul? And Manafort responded, according to the book, quote, it was a long time ago. I had expenses. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, then there are 12 million from the Ukrainian corruption. Yeah. There are going to be so many good books and so many great yes. movies that are made about this oh, <laughs> when it's all said and done. Like there are going to be so many people who win Academy Awards 15 years from now playing <laughs> playing the role of <laughs> Donald Trump or Paul Manafort or whoever. We are living through history. Big fat woman in a moo. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Just randomly there. <laughs> Just randomly. Yeah. It makes no sense. Maybe to she me. goes to, to McDonald's to get the filet of fish Oh. oh. Yeah. Maybe that's why he only gets two. Yeah. Instead of the three. It's all coming together now. <laughs> uh, oh, this was a fun one, guys. Not, that's not nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. That, 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 was, uh, that was something. That's, yeah. That was something. That was something. <laughs> um, 
Well, if you like that discussion about filet fish and moo-moos um, <laughs> <Mumus. laughs> and fat people, um, uh, like us on Facebook. Um, what are we? At Barstool Politics. Uh, Twitter at Barstool Paul. Um, if you have comments or uh, beer suggestions or questions you would want us to answer, uh, barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com, uh, as I do sound. Um, uh, beers that we have you can find on the Untapped app, which you can download on iOS or Android. Uh, I think you can send us suggestions on there as well. Um, like us and share us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, that's how we continue to make this grow. And I think that's That's it. all of it, yeah. Awesome. Phil, anything else from you? No, I'm looking forward to next week when we get to talk about the Alabama election. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It'll awesome. be good. Awesome. All right. Got, Thanks, guys. Got a, got Cheers. I'm craving for a filet of fish right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> let's, let's, let's all go. <laughs> See you guys next week. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers, guys. <laughs>